It's an unseasonably warm night here in Sharn. But this is the Deathsgate district in the middle of Tavik's Landing. Doesn't get much sun, of course. It's after midnight now. There aren't a lot of people on the streets, but that makes sense. It's not the best part of town. Most of the people out and about are members of the Deathsgate Guild. People you don't want to mess with, even if you're friends with them. But here, on a bench, alone, in the heat, is a woman in a heavy coat. And approaching her with a casual saunter is a young man, slight of build, bright of eye, in simple, worn clothes, and a battered hat. And he takes a seat next to her, apropos of nothing, and says, How's your uncle's illness? Dead, as always. You're late. I had some, uh, trouble, as usual. Yes, so I've heard. You know, you don't come highly recommended. The coin is already in your pocket, so let's just do this. You're lucky I'm a woman of my word. You're lucky no one is listening to this awful tradecraft. Let's just hope you're right. (sighs) Look, there are some things that I know I'm never right about, and there are some things I know I'm never wrong about. And I'm not wrong about this. Do you have it or not? Of course I do. Look down. Tez looks down. She has a dagger pressed up against his gut. Not that. And as he peers through the slats of the bench, he can see a crumpled paper bag. Garbage, of course. Great. Well, I guess I'll be leaving then. And Tez moves to stand up. She says, in a slightly different voice, Sir, sir, you're just going to leave your trash? Commoners like you. She reaches down, picks up the garbage, and throws it at his face. Tez catches it, perhaps more spryly than he should. (laughs) Gives her a glare and then mutters to himself as he walks away, his head sort of down, trying to hide under the brim of his hat. (sighs) She's gone. But the tail that he thought he lost is not. Fortunately, the half-orc and the human who've been following him for several blocks are none too subtle. Or at least not as subtle as they'd like to be. They stay close to him, too close to really be effective. They're persistent, though. Having made the tail, Tez calmly continues on. A few blocks up the street, as he had planned, doesn't even shift his route. He's been through this before. He knows the score. The maze of winding streets is still fairly empty, but he passes a few people here and there, playing dice in the corner, using whetstones on gear. A small figure in a fine vest and a large hat sleeps in a chair propped up against a boarded-up storefront. And in an alley where only Tez is able to spot them, a six-and-a-half-foot-tall person waits with fire in their eyes. Tez steals a glance over his shoulder, the type of glance that, oh, an average person walking down the street might take for granted or not even notice at all, but someone trained definitely spots it. And when he does, he makes a show of straightening up slightly. His gait becomes slightly less casual, almost a little panicked. And as he approaches the corner, he ducks into an alleyway, hoping that his short pass through the shadow 
was enough to throw his pursuers. Whatever happens, though, he's arrived at his destination. Halfway down the alley, there's a small, unassuming door. He reaches it, grabs the handle, pulls it open, and hears a bell chime as he steps inside. Walking past the nameplate by the bell, the Second Chance Saloon, Lucas Grosvenor, proprietor. And just before the door closes behind him, he hears two shrieks, both cut short. Tez sits down calmly at one of the corner booths uh, in a seat that seems to fit him well. It's out of the way, dark, or it gives a good view of the entire bar room. Avoids any lingering gazes or curious ears. And when he's joined by two companions, he produces this crumpled paper bag and pours from it onto the table a key charm. I trust the tale didn't give you any trouble. They never do. But maybe next time you could try not picking one up. I'm not the one who sent them, okay? But, like, if I duck them too well, then they stop underestimating us. If we do it messy, they still think we're bumbling around like fools. We need them to think we're fools. So, sometimes you have to make a mess. Just then, a wizened barman approaches with a plate of drinks which he sets down atop the gently glowing key charm as if to hide it. He begins doling out the unordered drinks and croaks. Good night for business, eh? Best take it upstairs. Fair enough. Thank you, Lucas. I'll expect my cut in the morning. Uh, you'll get more than, more than that tonight, I'm sure. And he shuffles off back to take care of his other customers by the time the drink tray uh, has left the table so has the key charm secreted away somewhere on Tez's person and the table lies bare as the three shuffle off upstairs to to someplace even more private than their personal haunt for the Mundangerous Quad in New York City. I'm your host, Shane. And I'm your host, Yishin. And welcome to episode 318 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. This is Actual Play Season 3, Episode 1. In this episode, we're starting our playthrough of the 5th edition D&D adventure, The Magister's Masquerade, from the sourcebook Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos. Tez Proudgale is, against his better judgment and against his will, going back to school. He's also looking for treasure, as always. So for those of you who are regular listeners, you know um, we're in baby protocol. Which means we're in actual play protocol. <laughs> and we're bi-weekly for the foreseeable future. Uh, Shane, your pod baby number two is imminently due, or who knows, by the time this airs, maybe already here. It's possible. You mm-hmm. can't you can't rule them out when it comes to babies. Uh, but yes, so uh, we will be shifting to a bi-weekly schedule. We'll be continuing the adventures of Tez Proudgale uh, in our season three of our actual play series at Neveron. Uh, and of- I, I am excited for not only having uh, my son arrive, but also... To, uh, to see what my other son has been up to. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of which, who the heck is Tez Proudgale? Tez Proudgale is a rogue archaeologist from Morgrave University. He's also the son of the Lazar Proudgales, uh, a, uh, a uh, well... 
a principality. <laughs> of which they, there are uh, thousands. Of which there are many. Uh, and also, he hasn't heard from them in a while, and they didn't pay his last semester's tuition, which uh, is how he got into this mess in the first place. Yes, prompted him to go mm, spelunking, I guess, into the sunken citadel. Uh, met some not very friendly people there. Uh, an angry, grumpy druid. Uh, the spirit of uh, a long dead question mark red dragon and then made some buddies Meepo the kobold and uh, Scalabro a revenant and and of course also he met uh, the trust of Zalargo uh, mm-hmm. so hey you liked Erky till you found out he was a double agent yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. that no murky timbers is uh, on Tez's list uh, well, he did send you uh, on an interesting and ultimately lucrative mission up into Thrain to find out what was killing villagers. Uh-huh. And uh, we, Tez did successfully solve that uh, particular mystery and line his pockets, though in the process he uh, might have burned down a tavern. Um, and uh, its proprietor, uh, Lucas, is, uh, has, has accompanied him back to... Uh, to Sharn and set up shop here in uh, in the city. Which brings us to now. So we are now going to play through The Magister's Masquerade, the third adventure from the 5th edition D&D book, Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos, which is basically like about playing in magical school. Um, it is a crossover from Magic the Gathering. It's one of those settings uh, that they did. Uh, neither of us is particularly familiar with Strixhaven, and of course we are porting it over uh, into Eberron like we do with all of these adventures. Yeah, so where is Strixhaven in Eberron? Ah, Strixhaven is just going to be renamed to Arcanics, the oh, okay. uh, primary magical university in Ondare. One of the five nations north of Breland. Uh, but we'll find out how you get there in, in a little bit. Um, one of the reasons that we picked this is, like, the first adventure that we played was sort of a nostalgia trip, and that was a dungeon crawl, um, Sunless Citadel. And then the next one ended up being an investigative mystery. Uh, so we are going with Magical School, which is much more focused on relationships uh, between characters. You know, and there's still, like, there will be some fighting and there will be some uh, investigating, um, but... The Strixhaven book even includes like rules for codifying how close your relationships are with an NPC, and then you get like benefits or uh, penalties, you know, based on that. Uh, so I think that'll be sort of some interesting mechanics for us to play with. Uh, for those of you who have not been listening to us for a long time, one of the reasons that we do these actual plays is uh, to sort of show you how we go about applying the advice that we give about GMing and playing um, or slash also showing you that we don't necessarily always stick to the advice that we give out. It's very like do as we say, not as we do. Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, the actual play experiment started out as a uh, as an adaptation to play D&D one-to-one. Right. And so in season two, we introduced some mechanics around how to play with the NPCs a little bit more as sidekicks rather than like full on characters. I don't know that that landed very well in that adventure. I don't know that it's going to change much in this one, but, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I think in this one, they'll probably just get played as full characters because there aren't really instances where I think they're going to be like grand battles. That's not really like the way that the adventure is laid out. It's very much like we're planning for a dance. Are you saying that students in Strixhaven don't just shiv each other in the in the dark hallways? Uh, I think it's more dance battles. It really seems to be that kind of school. Uh, okay. Yeah, right. I mean, part of the reason we're playing Magister's Masquerade is the adventure before this. Uh, there's literally like a skate at like magical skate park scene, and I was just like, I don't. I think that's maybe like a bridge too far for me in terms of buy-in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we can get behind a school dance. I think so. I think okay. I can. Yeah. All right. uh, I went to one homecoming. <laughs> God, okay. <laughs> did you not go to prom? I definitely did not go to to any proms. No. Uh, no. I was I was not that person. Mm-mm. Yeah. 
formative experience, even if you hate it. Well, this is my problem. Yeah, this is your problem. Okay, got it. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to find out what you think prom is like. <laughs> uh, it's a, a the theme is under the sea, of course. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> and everyone's gonna take it way too seriously. All right, so Tez the Prom King, got it. Mm -hmm. So the way that we are going to end up playing this is is different from other actual plays in that we will sort of call out our decisions and our mechanics more than we normally would if we were just trying to sort of like tell an immersive story because part of this is to sort of interrogate the ways in which you run a published adventure because that's also kind of like what we do on the show. Yeah. And then I think the flip side of that is that, you know, we're playing for an audience, so we want it to be entertaining. So sometimes we also take liberties with the rules so that we get a more entertaining uh, show rather than necessarily a true to form uh, D&D adventure. Yeah. And then at the end, once we actually finish the adventure, we will do an entire debrief episode where we will walk you through the choices that we made, why we made those choices, and then what we would have done differently, which is usually the biggest part of the episode. Uh, but speaking of which, we're going to kick it off with a little mini session zero, which we would normally do. We would normally do a full blown one for any kind of campaign we were going to run with our home group. Um, this is essentially a continuation of the previous session zeros from our first and second actual play. Um, the expectations are are basically unchanged, but for anyone new who's listening who hasn't listened to the previous two, uh, this is basically for you. Um, lines and veils don't really change. Um, if you're not familiar with that mechanic, there is an X card on the table, on the virtual table. If at any time either of us is uncomfortable with a turn in the conversation or the content or whatever, we can just say, I am going to play the X card. Uh, we pull the veil on that scene and then we move on, no questions asked. And we also have pre-established lines and veils, uh, things that, you know, we either hard lines that we definitely don't want crossed and content that we don't want in our games or games that uh, certainly we're <laughs> broadcasting on the internet. Uh, and and then some soft lines where, you know, we want to tread carefully around them and we'll just sort of see how we feel about them in the moment. So hard lines for us uh, are things like we don't include slavery and torture and things like that. And, uh, you know, I think some people tend to think like, oh, I, I would never have those in my game anyway, so why do we need to talk about that? But especially when you're running published adventures uh, from Dungeons & Dragons, uh, those kinds of things pop up more often than you might think. Yeah, uh, I mean, since this one is in a school, it is maybe worth uh, talking about um, we don't want harm to children. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm, I think this is college post-grad aged adults right so we should right. be okay it's, it's there, not but. a it's not a hogwarts level strixhaven seems to be sort of agnostic on exactly how old people are but there's a lot of talk about like calling them colleges right um right. and i think also like tez is what canonically 26 something like that uh, yeah i think something like that right so like he's this is this has never been gished right he's going back to school undercover um, but there isn't a situation where there's going to be any romance with anybody underage. There may not even be a situation where there's like romance with Tez. I think I think you are open to that potentially, but probably not high on our priority list. Uh, concur. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to like shut it down completely, but yeah, it's it's not it not on the bucket list. Meepo, though. Uh, Meepo gets around. That's been established. Mm -hmm. Right. And is always looking for love. Right. In all the wrong places. Well, maybe this is a, maybe this would be good for once. Um, I do think that's probably the uh, most likely veil, though. <laughs> right. So we'll probably right. draw the veil on anything <laughs> like that. Yes. If, if the dice say that Meepo has fun tonight, then I don't think we need to Find intrude on his privacy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that said, let's get into a little bit of play. 
So Taz, Scalabro, and Meepo only got back to Sharn a few days ago. Scalabro and Meepo, of course, have their own apartments. Pretty nice ones, actually, because Scalabro seems to have a fair bit of money socked away. Mm -hmm. Tez, however, spent a couple of days in uh, his old dorm, uh, which he still had access to before he was officially kicked out, now that he is actually graduated. Wait, they kicked me out? Uh, yeah, you graduated. Yeah, I know. I thought I had, like, post-grad housing. Why are you enrolled no, in post-grad classes? I mean, they can't just kick you or, out or just because you finish your degree. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, it's your fault for finishing your degree. You're not supposed to. Okay. You're supposed to drag uh, it out. Uh, you are 26. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> of rogue archaeology. Of rogue archaeology. <laughs> of punching people in the face and <laughs> taking right, the relics. That's right, I studied the sweet science. <laughs> uh, okay, however, if you recall, on your return to Thrain, uh, you were in a chartered coach provided to you by the trust. And you were able to go through the loop that you earned. You were awarded 5,000 gold pieces for solving the mystery. Uh, yeah, well, just just real quick. After we cover the expenses for Lucas, whose tower <laughs> I burned down, and my out-of-pockets on, on Meepo and Skelebro, I'm sure that leaves me with about 18 silver pieces, huh? <laughs> the math is not quite that bad in your favor. Uh, here's Here's what you discover when you decide to counter winnings uh, in the coach. Mm -hmm. uh, the bag seems a little light. It was 5,000 gold pieces. Looking through it, it is now 2,500 gold pieces. Uh -huh. uh, and there's a note in neat, tight script that says, I think I'm going to take you up on your offer. See you in Sharn. And it's signed, Lucas. You did offer him 50%. If he would join you. I did. And it seems like that's exactly what's going to happen. Yep. You've given an old man 2,500 gold pieces, and that is a good thing. I've given him 2,500 gold pieces and a shot at the dream in the big city. <laughs> that's right. He's 95 years old, so like he's really got to like book it. He's he's a 95-year-old widower, too. Mm, right? Mm -hmm. So like he didn't have anything tying him down other than his place which is now burnt to the ground. Mm -hmm, right. It is ashes. Mm -hmm. Completely gone. 100% thanks to you. Uh, well, 100% burned thanks to me, because if I do an arson, <laughs> Tez Proudgill is going to do an arson right. <laughs> However, along with the note uh, is a small, neatly wrapped package that also says it's from Lucas. Tez will shrug and open the package. It's a uh, simple twine and brown paper packaging. But inside, another small note that says, Do you remember that can of cyan I told you about? The one who was all upset? He left this for me. I don't have any use for it, but seems like you might. And as you spend a little time examining what to you looks like a small screwdriver that goes with a set of tinkers tools you realize it is an all-purpose tool and I have just sent you the link Ooh, is it a plus one all-purpose tool it is a plus one all-purpose tool from Tasha's Collagen of everything as an action you can touch it and transform it into any type of artisan tools of your choice Whatever form the tool takes, you are proficient with it. While holding it as well, you gain a plus one bonus to spell attack rolls and saving throw DCs of your artificer spells. Mm. And, as an action, you can focus on the tool to channel your creative forces. Choose a cantrip that you don't know from any class list. For eight hours, you can cast that cantrip and it counts as an artificer cantrip for you. And you can use this ability once per day. Okay, all right, I like this. Okay, 
would I have created this magic item to put in a, a D&D book? Probably not. It feels OP to me. <laughs> uh, don't touch my screwdriver. Okay. <laughs> what I'm thinking is, how do I build around an Eldritch Blast on an Artificer? Oh, yeah, oh. exactly. <laughs> uh, that is not all that is in your mostly empty sack. Uh, there is also a fine light blue velvet bag with a golden drawstring nestled in amongst the coins. Uh, I'll check out that. It's blue, you say, with a golden drawstring. It's mm-hmm. a crown royal on the side. <laughs> it does not. That would be purple. And there would be dice inside, because what else would be coming inside the crown royal bag? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> It does have uh, a monogram on it that says HH. And when you open it, there's a small note in very bad penmanship that says, I thought you or your friend could use this. It was Ascarda's. And inside an inlaid wooden box is a simple silver chain with the downward-pointed arrow of the silver flame as a pendant. And as you touch it, you can feel vigor flowing into you. And as you spend a little time with it, examining it in the coach, you understand that it is an amulet of health, and anyone attuned to it has a constitution of 19. That's a good find. It's a really good find. From the overly sincere wording and the monogram, you can tell this is a gift from Hack the Bullywood Paladin. Who was uh, instrumental in uh, in our, our resolving of the mystery. A true friend who That's also true. seems very generous. Yes. All right. And as you return to Sharn, it takes you a little while to get there. But you settle in to your old digs, and you receive a message from an actual messenger, a House Orion courier, who shows up at your dorm as you're packing and hands you a note on embossed paper with an address, a run-down alley in the Death's Gate district of Tavik's Landing with just one word from Lucas here. I guess I better uh, get the uh, get the band back together and go meet Lucas. And it's in Death's Gate, so I guess we probably ought to come heavy. It's not a bad idea because Death's Gate is an adventurer's district where people walk around heavy. But that's just to show off the goods, essentially, because anyone could get hired off the street at any time. Also, mm, the adventurers in Death's Gate are known for having beef with the adventurers in Clifftop, and every once in a while a party comes wandering through and people need to throw down. Hey, hey, hey. This is no place for a rogue archaeologist. Or perhaps it's the perfect place for a rogue archaeologist. There's only one way to find out. Mm. Skelebro, Meepo, we're getting the band back together. (laughs) And as you approach the address down what will soon become a familiar alleyway, you spot the nameplate, Lucas Grovner, proprietor, the Second Chance Saloon. And inside is only the old, old bartender, but as he turns to greet you, you see a twinkle in his eye that you have never noticed before. Lucas, this uh, this your joint? It is now. You know, money changes people. Money hasn't changed this place at all. Oh no, not yet. This is this is a dump. But me, <laughs> I I intend to lord this over everyone I can. <laughs> Uh, I can't wait to see what you do with the place, Lucas. I uh, I guess you're going to stick around a while, huh? Well, as long as I got left. But 
may as well make the most of it. I think you'll have many good years ahead of you. He takes a pointed look at both Scalabro and Meepo and says, Well, you know one thing I realized. I might be old, but you can go at any time. And he gives a particular look right at Meepo. That's why I named this place that. Second chance. A lot of us have had second chances. I think maybe it's my turn. Well, let us be your first customers. And Tez fishes out some coins and uh, lays them on the on the bar top for uh, for a round of drinks. Lucas says, "Oh, it'll be way more than that." I'm sorry. I'm definitely what? going to overcharge everyone. Uh, everyone, Lucas. We made the trip all the way down here, and you're going to do this to me now? <laughs> Scalabro sighs and pulls out what to him is loose change, and he slides it across the table. Lucas definitely takes it, but before he scoops the coins off the table, he leaves his hand on the bar top and leans way over and looks at all of you and then peers at Tez and says, but I do have a proposition for you. And Tez gets a conspiratorial grin on his face and says, yeah. This is a big place. Uh-huh. And also, and he like jerks his head toward the window, this is also a dangerous place. Agreed. I hear you might be looking for lodging soon. Why don't you three stay here? Work out of uh, the top floor. Make it your own. Do what you want. And you know, if anyone causes trouble... Make him stop. I don't know, Lucas. This isn't a, this is a really great home for archaeological research and ancient findings. You know, I've got books I need quiet. I've, I've got artifacts I've got to analyze. It's a lot of valuables. You know, it's just... This isn't really a, an academic environment, Lucas. He says, what are you talking about? Right across the bridge over there, there's a whole mausoleum. All kinds of dead people and tombs to rob. I, That's why I picked this place. I'm not a grave robber, Lucas. At least not an active grave robber, just like a historic grave robber. There's a difference, you know? They're After really a old graves. time passes, it's not grave robbing, it's archaeology. Like 300 years? Sure, and if you do it with pointed steel, it's rogue archaeology. Great, you're all set. These are way older than that. I checked. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, Except for one. There's one. There's one new one. I did. I did take some of the money, and well, I gave Lorna what she deserves. Lucas, I gotta level with you. I can't afford this place. Oh no, it's mine. No, I you can't can just afford stay. the rent. No, you can just stay. I can't afford the beer, Lucas. <laughs> oh, is that it? Fine, fine. Room and board. All right. I'll be your bouncer. <laughs> I should have known. That's, that's how you get college students to do anything. Free food. <laughs> uh, Meepo, Skelebro, would you mind uh, at least staying here a few nights a week? <laughs> Oh, no, I intend to live here all the time. You're going to give up your apartment? You love your apartment. For the chance of killing people who make trouble? Oh, yes, I would do this for free. <sighs> okay, all right, Meepo. Yes, we will eat them. Um, then clamps his claws on his snout and says, mm, oh, not, Meepo's not supposed to say it that way. Mm, we, we, their deaths will not be in vain. Yes, that, this is better. Uh, Lucas, we're, we're going to need another round of beer, my friend. <laughs> but I guess we're all on board. Upstairs is a wreck. A building is three stories. The bottom floor is a bar. The second floor is a few rooms to let. And the top floor is essentially a converted attic space. Uh, but it is furnished. There's room for whatever you want. Whatever you might want to convert it into. It's uh, large and spacious, um, if not particularly well-appointed. 
Oh, there's so much work to be done in this place. Lucas is gonna... He's... He's gonna have me renovate his apartment for him. <laughs> A few interesting things Tez does notice about the place, though. Uh, the roof could use some repairs, but that does mean it's very easy to get on the roof. And at least in this district, most of the buildings are built wall to wall. So once you have access to this roof, you have access to roofs for blocks around. Yeah, definitely. Tez definitely likes that, but doesn't like the, uh, the implied ease of access to his roof so very true he is yeah he's gonna put that on the list uh the roof repairs need to be done we need to get a tile roof and we need to make sure there are some loose tiles uh near our windows uh so that we know where we're going and anybody who tries to approach through our windows is in for a bad time meepo writes down learn arcane lock no, listen, Meepo. Magic is the way. As you know, I went to school for rogue archaeology. I assure you, for every magical solution, there's a magical problem trying to undo that solution, okay? Just the same way that every non-magical solution, or every non-magical problem has a non-magical solution, all right? We just, we need both, it's but, the short answer. We need both. But 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 the blood of dragons flows within Meepo. Tez has shown him this. And now and now he must make use of all the magic. He will learn Arcane Lock. It is his destiny. Okay, yes, learn Arcane Lock. But still, please, make sure you get somebody out to fix this roof and to fix it the way we need it fixed. Okay, underneath he adds, learn carpentry. No. <laughs> learn general contracting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, tile roofs weren't invented the last time that Skelebro saw a roof. He's never going to know what's going on. Do you think we did not have roofs? No, I know you had Do roofs. Do you think we did... lived under the sun with no coverings? <sighs> no. This is very offensive. This is, no. This is just a, 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 a fact of archaeological history that tile roofs did not come in vogue until roughly... Uh, 429 YK with the advent of uh, of new materials and frankly it grew popular in uh, in some of the beaches and resort towns that uh, and then and then came in vogue in the cities is a is a, a display of wealth a, a a, a waste and then finally over time clay got cheaper and so it just be- they began throwing tile on everything beaches and resorts are for the weak i <laughs> I, I, I served a great dragon. Yes, the blood of dragons. I don't even have an opinion on this, Skelebro. It's just, it's just a fact you've been gone for 3,000 years, okay? I know you didn't have tile roofs. (laughs) And then a familiar voice comes from Tez's backpack nearby. Hey, uh, we didn't get to catch up, but let's chat. The voice of Erky Timbers, your handler at the trust. Erky, it's not a good time. Oh no, what, what do you mean? You called me. Uh, it's a pocket dial. What? You you have big pockets. I, wait, hold on, I don't understand. You called me urgently and said you need to talk. Huh? Right? Was there something strange that happened on the trip? We didn't debrief yet. Uh, I, uh, Tez looks at Meepo and Skelebro and shrugs <laughs> and genuinely cannot remember if he did that. The voice of Flame Wind then emanates not from Tez's backpack, but inside all of their minds. Enough prattling, Scrivener. Listen. Oh, oh, uh, is this who I think it? Okay, yep, being quiet. It seems that you are settling in, Tez Proudgale. Yes, slowly but surely. Do not get too comfortable, for I have a mission. Flamewind. That would be Dr. Flamewind. Dr. Flamewind. Is it too much? I'm just trying it out. 
I don't think it's working any more than rogue archaeologist tests. No, that actually works great. You should really get a better title. Doc, that's why I don't go by doctor. Anyway, I'll call you Dr. Flamewind if you call me rogue archaeologist Tez Proudgill. Perhaps when you have tenure. And options. Strong opening bid, Flamewind. Dr. Flamewind. <laughs> Thanks to me, you've graduated school, but... Now I'm sending you back. To school? Indeed. You and your friends will be going undercover at Arconics. Uh, they don't even have a rogue archaeology program. Well, of course not. They're a respected institution. It's not like it's the college. So I have to go graduate from Arcanics? Your studies are unimportant. You must simply go there and find who I need you to find. Uh, okay. And then what? I only know what I have seen in my visions. And then you hear what sounds like blowing wind, and then her voice changes in a way that you've heard it change before when she's speaking prophecy. The chosen one is flanked by death. They must survive the shadow at night. Else all dreams come true. I do not know what this means, but I know there is one at Arconics, a chosen one. You must keep them alive, find them, and keep them alive. Okay. You know, the first part of that prophecy kind of did describe me chosen one flanked by death and he kind of like nods over towards Skelebro. It would also be good if you did not die then. I see. Uh, okay. Alright. Um, so I gotta go. Uh, have I is it can I even enroll right now? Scrivener! And after a long pause, Erky's like uh, Oh, me, me, right? You're talking to me? I leave it to you. Figure out the details. And she's gone. Um. All right, we'll be in touch with the dossier. Erky, I think I earned a private coach again. <laughs> and you know what? A day later, a private coach shows up in Deathgate. I've been in th- I've been home for like three days and I've already got to go out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To go enroll in a school. Oh man! I gotta yes, get- indeed. Oh. <laughs> Worst gap year ever. <laughs> All gap years are terrible. <laughs> All right. Before we end this episode, let's do a little bit of logistics. Uh, Shane, at the end of the last actual play, Tez leveled. To level to character level five, correct. Uh, what choices have you made? I have made every choice possible, which is to say, I leveled to artificer two, uh, and then I had to pick my magical infusions. Okay, so you got in the infused item ability. What infusions did you pick? I took enhanced defense, which gives me a plus one bonus to armor class while wearing armor or a shield. Uh, uh, I assume armor. Yeah, I mean, I don't use shield. I took a homunculus servant, which is kind of just a complicated mechanical familiar. So that requires as a focus a one a gem worth a hundred gold pieces, which you obviously can get. I'm what pretty is, sure I is, can pluck those out of uh, Meepo's ears right now. Right. What does it look like? Like, what gem are you using as the focus for your, your homunculus? Oh, the gem. Mm-hmm. Uh. Huh. I feel like Tez Tez has chosen a rich blue sapphire uh, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it reminds him of the sea. Oh, love it. Okay, that's nice. Have you created a homunculus? Uh, no, I, Tez has not had time to create a homunculus, but he has studied it a lot and is really confident <laughs> if he needs to, he can do it. Totally ready to do this. 
Okay. Definitely, definitely will not create a five-armed homunculus by accident. Whoops. Uh, all right. So whenever you do create a, a homunculus, we're going to have a chat about its name and what it looks like. <laughs> okay. Uh, and what other infusions did you pick? Uh, I took uh, two replicate magic items. So I took bag of holding. Uh, that's always useful. And given I just got evicted, it seems like that's going to help move out. <laughs> Uh, and also a rope of climbing, which, uh, given I just moved into the third story of a of a bar, I feel like that also might be handy pretty soon too. So just lucky, I guess. Look at you go! All right. Uh, well, the next thing to do is head on up to Arcanics. But when Erky delivers a dossier, there's also a questionnaire for each of you. Uh, Tez. Meepo and Scalabro, because all of you will be enrolled, asking, what classes do you want to take? As third years, which is uh, what your new student ID cards say you are, you will all be taking a class called Advanced Arcane History. But you all need to take three more courses. Now, mechanically speaking, the Strixhaven book gives an option of 10 of them. I can go through them, and you can pick from them. We can roll randomly, uh, or we can do some combination. What's your preference? Uh, can you just give me a couple examples? Like, what are the themes of these classes? Uh, there's extra-dimensional architecture, aquatic cryptozoology, ethics in enchantment, which really seems like it should be a required course. Uh, ethics and enchantment is good. I'm going to stay a million miles away from that. No, thank you. <laughs> Tez isn't here because it's ethical. He's a rogue archaeologist. <laughs> ethics are something he swallows at night. Uh, the history of magic rings. That is potentially something I could see Tez be inter being interested in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, advanced arcanomycology. Nope. That's fungus. Principles of war singing. Nope. Turning inner fire into outer flames. Nope. That's the, that's the pyromancy uh, lab. Uh, overview of magical notation. Introductory esthemancy. Oh, I, I, I can see Tez getting behind the magic of making things look pretty. Yeah. I mean, that's a, he, he, he could employ disguises. And advanced abstraction. <laughs> I'm taking advanced abstraction. <laughs> so we're looking this at advanced. My, this is my weapon against you, the GM. <laughs> Good right. luck having to roleplay that course, Ishan. I win. <laughs> love it. Love it. Great. I love that for me. So advanced abstraction, a history uh, of magic think, rings. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I think history of magic rings and then probably extra dimensional archaeology or um, architecture would make sense. Oh, that even, makes sense. You have a bag yeah. of holding now and you, already I know that you're trying to figure out how to weaponize it. Uh, well, it's not it's actually not just the bag of holding. It's because uh, it's architecture. I think that is also relevant to Tez's general interests. Mm -hmm. Someday. Archaeology, Archie. architecture, they have the same root word. Right. And someday you plan to retire to a, a magnificent mansion. Exactly. All right, and then I think uh, over the break, we can figure out what classes Skelebro and Meepo are going to take, and then we'll go over it next episode. Yeah, over the break, they can figure out what classes they're going to take. Tez isn't deciding for them. Let them pursue their passion. Of course. They haven't right. had a chance mm -hmm. to go to university yet. Uh, you don't know about Skelebro. You oh, you definitely know Meepo has not gone to university. Meepo has definitely not gone to university. <laughs> Skelebro, you're right. I guess technically he could have. Mm -hmm. There Are there institutions that are 3,000 years old? Oh, I guess they uh, wouldn't have to still be existing. They just had to exist 3,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is how that works. Yeah. Do yeah. elves do, do, like, is the elven education system centered on I, university? When you live 700 years, you basically do it all. So, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, although you don't know when he got in the cult, right? Was he like... That's true young and bright-eyed or right I mean, you, you don't even really know how old he was when he died right yeah well that's because it's like a rounding error on his actual age <laughs> yeah know, i mean essentially, like... essentially also he has like weird draconic features so right yeah who even but knows? like this you know the 70 years that you lived are, are kind of a you know not not really that relevant to the 3,000 years you were dead you know 
Yeah. I mean, you know, it was mostly just like guarding that one sarcophagus. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, I know how to pick them. Anyway, wow. can't wait to find out how he enjoys ethics and enchantment. <laughs> 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 Though also, Fool I think you wrote an ethics course. Actually, I think both of them need an ethics course. <laughs> Tess know. already knows his compromise. They don't. <laughs> you cannot eat charmed people. <laughs> you can even cross out charmed. Right. <laughs> no, wait. Too narrow. Too narrow. <laughs> All right. As we wrap up here, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sense Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPT Cast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. And once again, want to thank all of our Patreon supporters for uh, for making it possible for me to uh do this podcast and also have two children uh <laughs> through patreon support is how we get our editor aram so uh thank you all your money goes to aram and it is worth it <laughs> so if you'd like to learn more you can check out all of our awards at patreon.com slash total party thrill including our anime character creation forge build uh out today and what do we have planned for next week's episode we are continuing this playthrough of The Magister's Masquerade. Well, that's it for episode 318 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name. But either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. <laughs>